I'm Nicole Robertson. I believe 5G will absolutely change the world, providing a platform for sustainable innovation and the potential to add up to 8 trillion US dollars to the global GDP by 2030. This is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. But before we get into our 5G discussion, we like to take a moment to get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. Nicole, you ready for those? Let's go. Question number one, what do you consider the most overrated virtue? Now you can get ready for lots of people to disagree, but for me, it's patience. I, uh, I'm always in a rush. I really want to do things fast. Maybe that's why I work in ESG and sustainability, where uh, we're running out of time for many, many things. But for me, patience is the most overrated value. And question number two, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Yeah, I, I think maybe following on from the last one, um, I do jump into everything, right? Where I see an opportunity to change something or to do something that I think can have an impact. I want to do it all at once and really fast. So I have the great ability of, of overloading myself and others. So I would maybe not so much the patience, but I would take a pause and make sure that that uh, we can we can all get it done. And question number three, Nicole, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Balance. I think, uh, as you can probably tell from my previous two answers, uh, when uh, when I can get so excited about so many things, I, I really am happy when I've got a good balance of something fulfilling and impactful to do at work, something. Uh, that still has enough time at home to spend time with my family and to pursue some interesting hobbies and, and, and things I like to do. So for me, balance is, is happiness. Nicole, I appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Uh, a few weeks ago, what we're going to talk about today, uh, Nokia announced an enhanced ESG strategy that covers five focus areas. Before we get into that, maybe you can give us some sort of introductory high-level commentary here. I guess if I look uh, across the board, we're seeing this broad shift from shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism, and that's feeding into how financial institutions consider corporate ESG strategies. So how are you, how is is Nokia thinking about this sort of parallel framing of a robust ESG program as not just the right thing to do for the world, but the right thing to do for your business? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I tend to think about it from three angles. I, I think the first is around performance. So if you look at research, it would show that companies who are purpose-driven and, and have strong embedded ESG practices tend to show higher performance, have better financial ratings, and fare better time, at times of crisis. So I, I think, first of all, the, these embedded practices are really important in terms of, of a really well-run, responsible company. And, and then second... I think, as you alluded to, ESG is now entering the mainstream. It's becoming a priority for all stakeholders, whether that's customers, current and future employees, investors, and so on. And so I think it's something where companies need to be paying really close attention to their impact and the impact that they have on the world and how they compete from an ESG perspective. And then finally, one of my favorite statements in, in ESG is that the line between purpose and profit is, is dissolving. I think many people, when they think about sustainability or ESG, they think it's a choice between doing good or, or making money, making profit. Whereas uh, I don't see it so much that way. I think that 
often for companies, the biggest impact they can have is, is where they have a natural role to play because of the products, the services, the capabilities of their people. And so the more we're as companies able to look at that natural role and where we're able to have a really big impact in some of the biggest challenges the world is facing, uh, actually, I think we can do more from an ESG perspective. We can increase that impact. So if I think about that for Nokia as, as an example, we see that connectivity and digitalization can help the world decarbonize. It can improve safety, be a bridge for digital inclusion and help restore productivity. You know, for us, we call this our handprint and we look at every way we can to maximize it, which has a huge impact on the world, again, using our products, our services and, and the skills of our people. And at the same time, of course, looking at how we manage the footprint of our own operations in a responsible way. All right. Now I'd like to go into these five strategic focus areas outlined in the Enhanced ESG program. Those are environment, industrial digitization, security and privacy, bridging the digital divide and responsible business. So maybe we can just take those one at a time. That environment piece that's about the efficiency of the components and systems that Nokia builds. And it also takes into account this idea of circularity of reuse. So maybe just walk us through this piece. Tell us how you're approaching making your own products more efficient and sustainable, and maybe even a little on that scope three piece that would relate to the ESG targets of the suppliers you work with. Yeah, I think maybe if we, we kind of start from the high level, if we think for Nokia in 2021, 93% of our emissions came from our products in use. So that's the energy required to run our products and our customers' networks. So when you couple this with the expected increase in capacity over the next 10 years, it's a no-brainer that the energy efficiency of our products has to be a priority for us as we work to basically break the link between this increase in capacity and an increase in emissions, waste, and material use. So our ambition is to be the leader in energy efficiency in silicon software and systems. So here we're thinking about uh, everything from generation on generation improvements in energy efficiency, whether that's 4G to 5G or um, FP4 and FP5 and in silicon, for example, it's also around new innovation. So here we're thinking about innovations like liquid cooling, for example, or recently we, we um, just actually won an award recently uh, for um, virtual power plant innovation. Uh, and so that's, of course, incredibly important at the product and the component level, whether it's generational improvements or new innovation. At the same time, uh, we look across the entire network. So looking for opportunities to optimize the network, overall energy orchestration and green operations, looking at how we can use things like artificial intelligence and machine learning to optimize network efficiency across the whole. And then more broadly, when you think about um, circularity, for example, and, and our ambition to be a leader in circularity, looking very much at how we can increase the recycler use of uh, materials in our own products by design, as well as how we can engage with our customers and topics around refurbishment uh, and recycling and, and around product life extension, for example. The second strategic focus area, industrial digitization, this comes up a, a lot on the show when we talk through you know, how will 5G change the world. It's almost always around enabling industrial transformation. But how is Nokia working with different vertical industries to leverage 5G and sort of attendant technologies to make their businesses more sustainable while adding real value. You know, you referenced that kind of false choice earlier of doing the right thing or profitability, but it's not an or, it's an and. And I think the 
you know, idea of 5G for industrial transformations, really good context for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nokia, you may have heard us say before, there's no green without digital. So, we estimate that only around 30% of the world's economy is digitalized, which means around 70% is more wasteful and less productive than it could be. So, uh, Nokia has already deployed around 400 private wireless networks for customers across a number of different industries, whether that's oil and gas, manufacturing, transportation, agriculture, mining, as well as, for example, smart cities, where we look at how we can decarbonize and, and improve efficiency in, in, in cities. So we're working with our customers to help enterprises design, implement, and manage private networks that can increase the flexibility of high-performance networks to support new applications like remote configuration and control, predictable uptime, and video as a sensor. So ultimately maximizing opportunities to decarbonize, more efficiently use the resources that they have and are using and to improve safety, efficiency, and productivity. So we have a, a huge number of, of use cases we're really proud of um, in each of those different areas where we see uh, maybe as, as you alluded to, this coming together of the financial and environmental business case where the connectivity and digitalization provides a lever to improve efficiency, to improve productivity, and at the same time decarbonize. And, and I think we need to do better at helping provide that business case to customers so that we can accelerate ultimately we're running out of time, right? And, and we need to absolutely accelerate these use cases at scale rather than keeping them at the use case level. Yeah, Nokia really is a leader in delivering private 4G, 5G for uh, enterprise customers. And just a quick note to our audience, if you want to follow our coverage of that, my colleague James Blackman does a great job of it on our sister site, Enterprise IoT Insights. So check that out. But Nicole, let's um, move on to this third pillar, security and privacy. Uh, when I was reading the materials that covered the ESG strategy update, I kind of struggled a bit with this particular piece. So maybe you can take us through that relationship between security, privacy, and sustainability. Yeah, for sure. I, I think a lot of people may not immediately think about security and privacy as ESG topics. I think they generally seem to, to all agree that it's critically important and, and a topic of importance for our customers that maybe not think about it in the ESG context. But uh, for me, at least, it, it's really clear that all of our stakeholders are more aware and care more about ethical use of their data, demanding accountability and transparency from all of the businesses that they interact with, whether that's as employees, customers, or partners. So I think on the, on the data privacy side, I think most people kind of can get that a bit more, but maybe on the security, people see it more as a business topic unrelated to ESG. And I think for Nokia one, I'll give you a unique example. When you think about 5G specifically, it gives us as a company an opportunity to extend ESG concepts, including privacy and security to new generations of networks where cyber threats are many times bigger due to the criticality of services that are moving onto the networks, right? And the complexity of the solutions. So with that evolution of 5G use cases, we see great meaningful societal benefits, which I know on your podcast, you talk a lot about, but equally human safety and even human lives can depend on the availability and the integrity of the network service, which for me absolutely makes them an ESG topic. And of course, for Nokia, um, one of the reasons it's so critical to protecting valuable data and mitigating cybersecurity risks and why we continue to invest in the areas like that, like in our ASTA lab in Dallas, for example. 
Hi everyone, this is Sean. I just wanted to pop in and let you know that this episode of Will 5G Change the World is presented in partnership with NetScout. NetScout provides a clear, complete, end-to-end view across any cloud or service. Gain the visibility needed to accelerate, transform, and innovate your services. Learn more about NetScout's approach to visibility without borders at netscout.com. Now let's get back to our interview. Now, this next strategic pillar, bridging the digital divide, this is a, a big discussion area, and we don't have the format to go fully into it today. But just by way of quick setup, this is you know a, a global problem in urban areas and in rural areas. You see government-led investment in a number of countries. You see a lot of attention given to this by NGOs around the world. But maybe to specify our conversation a little bit, we can look at the network economics piece and, and basically not to be reductive, but networks are not in some places where they should be because the economics just don't work out. So just curious how you're thinking about addressing that problem and then kind of linking that to the notion of bridging the digital divide, connecting the unconnected as sort of a long-term driver of, of innovation, of societal change. Yeah, I believe the key here is that one size doesn't fit all. So for a number of reasons, including the economics, there isn't one magic bullet. So to bridge the digital divide, it really requires access to broadband equipment, fixed and or wireless networks. It requires access to devices, as well as the digital skills to participate in a digital economy and the ecosystem as as individuals, right? So there's a number of challenges to digital divide. I think we're, we're lucky at Nokia that we have Um, some clear roles that we're able to play. So, of course, we have a role in connectivity solutions where we look to leverage ultimately a a really broad product portfolio as well as great partners to address different demographics. So, again, one size doesn't fit all. We need to look at the the right technical solutions uh, with the right economics for different demographics, like, for example, using 4G fixed wireless access in rural school districts in California we're using microwave technology as the primary link for bandwidth transport to support the wireless network and to provide it with capacity, speed, and data in areas of Quebec, for example, that can't readily be serviced by fiber. So it, it really requires a, an assessment and an understanding of, of each of the different demographics and requirements and, and the right broad portfolio to be able to address them. We're also looking at focused partnerships with non-terrestrial network operators, such as our partnership with AST Space Mobile, for example, which plans to bring connectivity directly to standard 4G and 5G devices via low-earth-orbiting satellites, eliminating connectivity gaps in in remote and rural regions that are underserved by terrestrial communication networks. So it's really leveraging a, a number of different both portfolio and partnership models to try and address those different demographics. And then finally, when you think of it from a strategy perspective that we've just announced, we're also really well positioned to support the digital skill building, both the individual skill building for employment, for in, when you think about it at a personal level, as well as for small medium enterprises, so that they have the capabilities that they need to be able to participate in a digital economy, where we saw, uh, of course, with COVID, that really challenged both for individuals and for those businesses who may not have been ready yet. All right, now on to pillar number five, which is responsible business. I'm just going to quote directly from uh, from Nokia's language here, but this is about 
working closely with customers and suppliers to engage on systemic issues related to environment, mitigating the misuse of technology, and advocating for responsible AI principles, ethics, human rights, and working conditions, end quote. So a lot there. Um, again, probably not going to be able to go through all of that adequately in our 25-minute runtime, but maybe we can talk a little bit about this idea of mitigating the misuse of technology and advocating for responsible AI principles. So maybe just give us an example, not necessarily a a Nokia specific example of the misuse of technology. And then tell us a little bit about how large corporations should in general work to proactively identify a negative impact and then move to mitigate it. Yeah, I think drones actually are a great example. So if you think about the use of drones, they can be used to help in disaster situations or in early monitoring, for example, of uh, and disaster detection. They can also be used to provide humanitarian aid or even help protect endangered species from poaching. There's a huge number of use cases with drones. But you can also imagine how those use cases could change if they were coupled, for example, with facial, facial recognition or installed next to borders. Uh, and countries, for example. And so the important thing is that um, we need to consider not just the primary use or the intended use of the product, but imagine what other uses it could be used for, especially uh, mitigate those that could be used, for example, to impinge on human rights, the right to privacy, the right to, to freedom of expression, for example. So this type of misuse needs to be looked at on a number of different levels from from corporations, thinking about who's the customer, in what country, and and with what technology, and and what the specific use case is, and how easily that could be uh, then misused for another purpose. So companies have a responsibility to try and ensure that their technology isn't misused, uh, and they need to have mechanisms in place to do that as part of a responsible business. So that could start from a salesperson looking at what type of sale they should be going to, who they should be selling to, or from an R&D perspective to think about whether a feature that they're designing could be misused and whether that can be mitigated in the way that the product is designed, or to those working on corporate policies and processes and oversights to make sure that people are empowered to say no for, for ethical reasons and to raise those types of concerns. And then lastly, I would say it's also about working with peers, right? Working with the broader community, not just within your own company, working with multi-stakeholder groups, hearing from NGOs, using third-party risk rating agencies, for example, to get more information, and ultimately about transparency and getting clarity from regulators and governments, for example, on laws and regulations and implementation, so that ultimately we understand that tech's constantly evolving, So there's a a number of dilemmas that can be posed by that as well as the the positive impacts. So we believe in kind of open and transparent discussion to to balance the benefits of technology with the impact of fundamental rights, like the the right to to freedom of expression and, and privacy I mentioned earlier. So at the top of the show, you told us that you do think 5G is a technology that that can contribute to changing the world. You mentioned a massive lift in GDP by the end of 2030. But I guess when you look at your role at, at Nokia and you execute on this enhanced ESG strategy, how do you think about success? How do you know you're you're accomplishing what you you set out to? And and maybe to to add on to that question. 
you know, how do you deal with your personal desire for quick movement, quick results as it relates to sustainability, this giant multi-party long-term problem? Yeah, I kind of think about it in two ways. It's a great question. Uh, I think it, on one hand, we need to measure. And sometimes that's not easy in the ESG space, but the, the more we move from great actions and initiatives to measurable impact, the better we are at being able to set targets, speak authentically with our stakeholders and transparently with our stakeholders about the impact that we're having and, and to be held accountable. Uh, so we're, we're a big fan of, of, of transparency and, and of measurement. Of course, it's challenging right now. So when I think about measurement, for example, another of the things, number of the things that we're talking about, there aren't yet standards that are agreed in terms of how they should be measured. Um, or in some cases, some of the use cases we talk about, the impacts of them um, maybe at the moment based on research or, or theoretical, and we need to get into measuring the impact of those, those use cases so that we can really scale and accelerate. So for me, I'm, I'm really passionate about the need to set targets. And if you look at Nokia's People on Planet report, you'll see a number of them starting, for example, with our science-based targets and then lots of short and midterm targets that track our progress towards them. And I'd like to really see that improve over time so that our stakeholders can really see the impact that we're having. The other side of that, I think, is around our ecosystem. So I think, it, uh, you know, as ESG becomes more mainstream, a number of um, companies have, have taken the quick wins, the things that they're able to solve themselves um, in many cases have already started or are being adopted. So we really need to collaborate much more than we are today. So I'd love for some of those targets to be ecosystem targets rather than individual company targets that we can then work towards together to solve some of the more systemic challenges in our industry, as opposed to um, just you know, our own company's part of it. Uh, so I would really, from a success perspective, like to be able to really show to our stakeholders the impact we're having in our five strategic areas and to be able to contribute to our, our industry and our ecosystem to show how we can raise the bar and, and accelerate the speed of, of adoption and, and uh, impact at an ecosystem level as well. Right, Nicole. Well, I really appreciate you detailing out Nokia's enhanced ESG strategy for our audience and uh, taking the time to answer that question. Will 5G change the world? My pleasure.